Me and Hillary are demons. Said we smell like sulfur. Ain't that something? Let's face it, conspiracy issues are fun. You don't have to believe the totality of any of them to find intriguing kernels of truth. So here goes. We have covered Barack Obama a few times before in videos like Obama the Killer and discussed his wife, Michelle, in Who is Big Mike? But today I want to share with you my top three favorite Barack Obama conspiracy theories and what I consider to be the truth behind them. Number one, Sasha and Malaya's real parents. I certainly think Joan Rivers, who mysteriously died, was onto something when she voiced her thoughts on Michelle Obama. And do you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman president? Well, we president? already have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle is a trans. Uh, I'm sorry, she's a what? A transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It's okay. Now, Obama has a very tight inner circle that he formed in college at Columbia and Harvard and during his early days in Chicago. This is where Martin Nesbitt and his wife, Anita Blanchard, entered the scene. Now, let's hear from the bona fide power couple. I want to make my patients feel at ease and feel comfortable. So I really like to think of our annual visits as a way of catching up with old friends. Once people agree and, you know, you work as a team to come up with a strategy, then everybody's, everybody's in. Martin and Anita are old friends of the Obamas and I dare say look mighty familiar. Yeah, because they are Sasha and Malaya's parents. Martin and Anita are not only the godparents of the Obama girls, but Anita delivered them. No photos of pregnant Michelle exists. The fact that nothing exists from this is beyond suspicious. To add fuel to the flames, in 2008, Michelle admitted she used IVF, in vitro fertilization, to conceive. We will most likely never know the full truth, but something smells fishy to me. Martin and Anita have five children, so kudos to them. In this 2011 article, we have the Obama children with what appears to be Nesbitt Nation, Martin's nickname for his family. Hmm. I actually think this doesn't help the conspiracy theory, but I will say Sasha and Martin's youngest in his arms definitely look related. Number two, community organizer or crime boss. Earlier, I mentioned the tight Obama circle forged in Chicago. Before we scrutinize those ties, let us not forget that Barack Obama was a community organizer. Saul Alinsky, an ideological influence and someone who Obama rubbed shoulders, believed that a community organizer, and I quote, was an abrasive agent to rub raw the sentiments of the people of the community. 
to fan latent hostilities of many of the people to the point of overt expressions. That sounds like a shakedown to me. Give me what I want or I sick the mob on you. Hmm. The New York Times wrote a puff piece about the, this group of friends back in 2008. Of course, we know Martin Nesbitt is part of this group, but let's meet Dr. Eric Whitaker. Whitaker and Obama met at Harvard and have been thickest thieves ever since. Whitaker served as the director of Illinois Department of Health from 2003 until 2007. Obama suggested Whitaker for the job back in 2003 to then Governor Blagovich. Whitaker's chief of staff, Quinshanta Golden, committed massive grant fraud and pocketed it over $400,000. She was also indicted on several federal counts, including bribery, theft, witness tampering, mail fraud, and obstruction of justice. When this was revealed in 2007, Whitaker left to go work with Michelle Obama at University of Chicago School of Medicine. The issue here is he brings Mrs. Golden with him. Conveniently, Golden's case didn't go to court until 2014. Whitaker would also give health organizations huge sums of money, one of which working for togetherness, an AIDS awareness organization, used 50,000 of their 150,000 on a Hummer out of Pimp My Ride that had TVs, video game console, consoles, a custom paint job and custom rims. Lovely. Reverend Jeremiah Wright has also claimed that Whitaker attempted to bribe him to quit giving interviews about his relationship with then-candidate Obama and to stop preaching. Now, at the time, Whitaker also oversaw the scandal-plagued Illinois Health Facilities Planning Board. The board soliciting kickbacks and payoffs to the likes of convicted felon Tony Resco and associates who control the board. Now, Resco and Obama have a long history too. The first person to ever donate money to Obama as a politician was Tony Resco. Resco would become a longtime fundraiser for Obama and one of the few on his U.S. Senate Campaign Finance Committee which raised more than $14 million for him. Obama and Resco had multiple sketchy real estate deals with each other. One was a shady deal that allowed Obama to purchase his $1.65 million house. Other properties were bought and then miraculously flipped later for three times their value, allowing Obama to gain the spoils. Tony Resco and Rod Blakovich would later serve time for political corruption, and our good friend Dr. Whitaker received a $5.9 million Health and Human Services grant to continue a project Michelle Obama worked on when she was on the University of Chicago Health Center staff, creating and running the Urban Health Initiative. Obama would bring someone else from Chicago into his administration, Ron Emanuel. Ron was the very definition of a loose cannon. 
He was satirized on Saturday Night Live for his rough language and aggressive demeanor. As for the progressive Democrats, whom I use the term in reference to, I should never have called you that. What I should have called you are babies, stupid babies who can't keep their mouths shut. You went to the Wall Street Journal with this, you turncoats? The Wall Street Journal? I'm trying to get done here. And I know we're not moving as fast as you want on healthcare, but maybe you noticed the Republicans are trying to paint us as Soviet crack dealers. Emanuel would go on to be mayor of Chicago, where he really lived up to democratic ideals. He emasculated thousands of union jobs and gave $100 million contracts to private corporations, many of which had connections to organized crime. Paul Fosco of United Services companies had been convicted of racketeering. The case in which he was charged was also the same one in which Anthony Big Tuna Ocardo was connected. United Maintenance, also in the United Service Company's umbrella, which received a five-year contract to clean O'Hare Airport, was connected to William Dedano Jr. His father, Willie Potatoes, was a top enforcer for the Chicago outfit, started by Al Capone. And where is slightly unhinged Rom nowadays? He is the U.S. ambassador to Japan. We sent one of our crazies to represent us to one of the politest nations on earth. Great thinking, Joe Biden. There's definitely room to dive deeper into this, but with all these sordid people around him, there is no way that Obama is clean and that as his time as a community organizer and a state senator, he learned the corrupt influence game in Chicago. Number three, US citizen or not? Is Obama a citizen or not? Some of you may remember former Representative Larry McDonald. McDonald was a constant crusader against communism, but he really believed that the United States was marching towards establishing a one world government. And this was facilitated by insiders within the government. This week says, that, says this, the John Birch Society considers communism only one arm of a national of a master conspiracy in which socialist American insiders are plotting to establish world government. Now, it also says, and here's Director John McManus, that's your public relations director, saying that former Secretary of State Alexander Haig and CIA Director William Casey are two of these master conspirators who are plotting to establish world government. Now, what do you say? Uh, you know, that kind of silly, asinine statement is what makes pe make people laugh at the John Birch Society. Well, Tom, I'm sure being a long-standing member of the Rockefeller apparatus, uh, and as a member of the Council on Foreign Relations of long-standing, you're fully aware that you, there is an elitist core in this country that has seen value in subsidizing communism, of protecting communism. It has? Sure. You're accusing me of subsidizing communism? No, no, I'm saying because that there I happen is, to belong no, to a no, to there a is an elite core. study group. No, no, wait a minute. There is an elite core in this country that has dominated American society. Well, I'm not one of well, them. The Trilateral Commission. The Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations. Here's a, 
Well, let's face it, they've dominated the State Department for 40 years, and uh, pretty much openly All right, so. but what are they trying to do? Well, their objective is to try to bring about a gradual transition in our society, a dissolving of sovereignty, and a moving steadily to the left on the political spectrum. Well, who are the they? Belief, the elitist groups that I mentioned, particularly key individuals and policymakers in the Council is on the Foreign Relations. Is the International Monetary Fund part of this? Well, I would say the International Monetary Fund has certainly been set up for the purpose of facilitating that transfer of sovereignty and transfer of wealth on the road. Right, we elected Mr. Conservative. Let me just finish the point, right. because otherwise we're going to have a lot of un unanswered questions, that you are looking at a group that has worked to bring about the dissolution of national sovereignties on the road to world government. And certainly uh, you're familiar with uh, local professor Carol Quigley, who has been part of your club, in which he admitted all this. And he said in his book, Tragedy and Hope, the only thing I disagree is that we've worked to keep it a secret. In essence, he believed that communism and one world government were essentially the same thing. These insiders would use any tool to expand the state and move towards one world, one government. Thus was Obama manufactured by one world dreamers and insiders inside the CIA. His father and mother met at the University of Hawaii's East-West Center, which was created by Congress and directed by CIA operatives. Obama's father was brought to the University of Hawaii by the Joseph P. Kennedy Foundation and the U.S. Department at the request of Tom Maboya, a CIA-backed leader in the Kenyan independence movement. The dormitory where Obama Sr. lived at the East West Center was funded by the Asia Foundation, also a creation of the CIA. According to a 1961 congressional report, the mission of the East West Center was to inculcate pro-American sentiment in foreign students and thereby win the battle of men's minds. John Wittick, a scholar who once worked at this center, has called it a true cult of imperialism. Shortly after divorcing Obama's father, Obama's mother, Ann Dunham, married Lolo Sotero, the son of an upper-class Javanese family and a lieutenant in the Indonesian army, who in 1962 was sent by the Indonesian government to study at the East-West Center. At the time, the Kennedy administration through the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, was sending tens of millions of dollars per year to the Indonesian government in an attempt to win its loyalty against similar bribery from the Soviet Union. Much of that funding was used to send elite Indonesian students, such as Soweto, to American schools, in particular to schools such as the East-West Center that worked directly with U.S. intelligence and security agencies and trained foreign students to teach American business methods and philosophies back in their home countries. In 1966, Soweto returned to Indonesia to work for the military and had just carried out mass executions of communists and suspected communists. According to a congressional report, 
1,200 of the Indonesian military officers who organized and led this purge, which claimed hundreds of thousands of lives, had been trained in US-based counterinsurgency programs. Many of the weapons used in the killings were supplied by Washington. The elimination of communists who had violently protested US influence in Indonesia cleared the way for a greater influx of American and American trained nation builders, such as Soweto and Dunham. Obama's mother and stepfather were the velvet glove of development, covering the iron fist of state violence. Obama's mother spent several years at the USAID school, then took a series of jobs, all sponsored directly or indirectly by US government agencies, studying and promoting American style economic development in rural Indonesia. Through the 1970s, Dunham worked on a string of projects funded by USAID. Then in 1981, she was hired by the Ford Foundation's Southeast Asia Regional Office in Jakarta to help develop microfinance programs in rural Indonesia. Dunham left the foundation in 1988 to work as a consultant and research coordinator at Bank Rakia, Indonesia, where her work again was funded by USAID. Much has been made about Tom Maboya and his influence on Obama Sr. as a mentor and a patron. When Maboya was a 26-year-old rising star in the Kenyan labor movement, Maboya made a speaking tour of American college campuses, during which he was recruited by representatives of the International Confederation of Free Trade Unions an anti-communist pro-US federation of trade unions that was jointly financed by the AFL-CIO and the US State Department and received many of its directives from the CIA. Maboya formally joined the ISFTU in 1959 and for the rest of his life were closely with the Federation and received its continued financial support. This fact has been known since shortly after Maboya's assassination in 1969, when Ramperts reported the following. The CIA's program in Kenya could be summed up as one of selective liberation. The chief beneficiary was Tom Maboya. Maboya was ideal for CIA's purposes, the main nationalist hero and eventual chief of state. Maboya was chosen by the CIA as its front man in Kenya. He and his disciples opposed America's rivals there. Obama Sr., like his son, devoted his career not to bringing down the American empire, but to installing it in place of declining global, declining colonial powers. So is Obama some manufactured Manchurian candidate that was groomed by the CIA to lead 
America towards one world government like the World Economic Forum preaches? I don't know what to make of all this. It's hard to ignore all the evidence of one world government and globalist influences on the Obama family. But I also know that when Ann Durham eventually left Indonesia and lived in Hawaii, Obama was radicalized by not only her, but her parents who were radical leftists. Um, so we will have to explore more of this in the future. The dude certainly has an interesting, unique, and intriguing background. Hey, if you like today's video, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share. His adopted father, Lolo Sotoro, was one of the 10, 15 richest men on earth. And when he died, he left a trust fund in Indonesia with three equal beneficiaries, Barack Obama, then known as Barry Sotoro because he was adopted, and his two siblings. So he has a whole false claim about what his background is. But when he got in the White House, he'd been working for a law firm that represented his daddy. He got lauded by Goldman Sachs, who financed most of his daddy's uh, American investments. He protected British Petroleum when they had to blow out in the Gulf because guess what? His trust fund had heavy investments in BP.